Hi folks, David Graff here. Let's talk about federal underwriting guidelines. The feds have revised their underwriting guidelines for multifamily projects. These guidelines take effect October 15th of 2019, and they've relaxed some of the standards that we've lived with since 2011 when the multifamily guidelines were significantly overhauled. Now you may recall in 20, 2007 and 2008, we had a mortgage meltdown where a number of residential loans went into default. The federal government had to write a lot of checks to private lenders because the government guaranteed these loans that went into default. And there was some public outcry about this never happening again. So the guidelines were revised in 2011 to make it much more clear as to what loans would be guaranteed and which loans would not be guaranteed. And what it really did is dry up multifamily FHA loans for some time after the guidelines came out while everyone figured out what was going on. Now, there's two issues that we typically think about when we're contemplating how risky a loan transaction is. Now, the first one's obvious. That's the borrower's credit worthiness. Does the borrower have the ability to repay the loan? And that's based on their employment stability, their income, uh, how much money they have, and their credit score. And that's something that banks have been well able to deal with for a long time. There's also project risk. Project risk varies greatly depending on the type of project we're talking about. Now, in a single-family home, if 30% of your homes went into default, it might not matter too much because you're not so intimately intertwined, at least economically, as you might be in a condo. Now, in a condo, if 30% of the homes went into default, it might matter a ton because those are the people who are paying the assessments. That's project risk. The 2011 guidelines from the feds identified certain aspects of project risk that they deemed unacceptable. For example, if the community had more than a majority of all units rented, that was an unacceptably high rental rate and that project would be ineligible. Also, if the community had construction defect litigation or if it didn't have any reserve funds, that was those were also risk factors. And also the number of units that the declarant held mattered because if the declarant, let's say they sold they sold 25% of the units in a high rise and they held on to 75% of those units as they were trying to sell it, they then go out of business Who's going to pay the assessments? Well, it's the 25% of the units that are owned by people. The other 75 will be bouncing around in bankruptcy court for a year, and that puts a lot of strain on that 25% of the population that has to carry 100% of the assessment burden. So that also was a project risk factor. As a way of dealing with this project risk, the feds required entire projects to be approved if they wanted to be eligible for FHA financing within that community. And you'd have to certify every two years certain bits of information, like how many rentals you had, how many units were in default, how many units the declarant had, whether there were construction defect lawsuits out there, and so forth. Once that certification was in and FHA approved it, well, then the lenders could get back to the borrower's risk that they were capable of handling. What was interesting from 2011 was the fact that the Fed said that if you have a majority of non-owner-occupied units, that was a risky project and therefore ineligible for FHA financing.
That caused a lot of condominium associations to amend their governing documents to limit the number of rentals that were permitted at any one time just to keep pace with these underwriting guidelines. The current regs that are about to take effect relax this standard a little bit. They allow up to 65% of the units to be rented and not lose eligibility. They've also increased the length of time that a project approval lasts from two years now up to three years. And they've allowed for what's called a spot approval of the project. That was banned in 2011. The idea was that the entire project since 2011 had to be approved or on that approved list is a better way to say it, or else uh, the community was ineligible for FHA loans. Now they've allowed lenders to proceed with a spot approval process, which is a little esoteric, but the point is that it gives more flexibility for lenders to approve a project on a unit-by-unit -unit basis than has been permitted since 2011. So all in all, we'll see how this shakes out, but it seems to be a positive step for home ownership. And any time that we can get uh, FHA financing in our communities, particularly communities that have units at a certain price point, I think most people would suggest that that's a good thing for America. We'll see how it shakes out, but it appears to be a positive step at the present time. Talk to you soon. Thanks.